Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I am Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined as always by Nate Atkins. We are here actually at the Colts facility uh, on West 56th. Uh, on Wednesday, th- this is Texans week. Um, I think the interesting piece of this, and maybe we could just kind of focus the podcast around this. I, I think we, we hit on a lot of the game day stuff. We can maybe touch on some of that as we, cause, uh, as we go. But like, um, I think one of the most interesting things is that there were four. There were three quarterbacks picked in the top four picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will play each other a lot. Um, all all three of them. They like they'll play a little round robin, and then and then C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson get a bonus uh, in terms of of getting to play each other. This is this is going to be the the first. This is the first matchup uh, of a, of the two of the top quarterbacks. So, I think that's I think that's maybe that's probably the selling point. For this game, if you're if you're not a Colts or Texans fan, that's probably the selling point is, you know, number four pick versus the number two pick. Yeah, because I think it's you know it's two teams that we just watched kind of battle it out to see who was going to pick where. Uh, week eighteen last year, and the crazy finish where you know they hail Mary, uh, which lost the Texans the number one pick would have pretty sure they would have gone Bryce Young by what everyone kind of thinks. Instead, they have C.J. Stroud and. It's interesting is the Colts because they won, uh, Colts because they lost that game stayed ahead of the Seahawks in the draft order, and that was the team that a lot of people thought might have wanted Anthony Richardson. So this is kind of a meeting of of the way things went down in that crazy game, and uh, <laughs> I think back to last year too, the, these teams in Week One played and uh, tied in the weird way that a tie can factor into the draft order too. So just funny the way that, that the stars align, but. Uh, but that is going to be a headline because I think you look at these two teams and certainly in week one, they both look like offenses that are really, really rebuilding, really trying to find things to put around the quarterback. The Texans only scored nine points at Baltimore. The Colts had 14 offensive points, uh, you know, and, and all the stuff we went through the other night. So, But but I think if you look at the, the lines for those two quarterbacks, they played you know reasonably well for rookies. They played a lot better than Bryce Young, who had a real – Real bad week one. So, uh, but this is what's interesting is like that. I don't know if it'll happen this quickly, but rookie quarterbacks they finally get some tape out there. Teams see kind of how they want to try and play, how their teams want to try and use them, and see what the adjustment is. And um, certainly on the, on the cold side of the ball, that's um, D'Amico Ryan's. You know, is is long been one of the best defensive coordinators, and that's the side of the ball I think the Texans are much much better at than the other ones. So. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how Anthony handles that challenge of a team adjusting to him, facing a pretty decent defense, and then also his first road game. Uh, it's just everything's a first for him, and it's kind of fun to watch these firsts happen. Yeah, the uh, um, I I didn't see the game. I haven't watched the Ravens Texans game, but just just like glancing through the, just by glancing through the box score, 
Uh, Houston made it pretty tough on Baltimore, it looked mm-hmm. like last week. Uh, not not a lot of explosives, it didn't seem like. Um, gave them some trouble in the running game. Uh, I, I think the thought that I came away with when I was looking at it was, uh, oh, I wonder if the Colts are going to play the same type of offensive game they played last time because it's going to be dictated that way uh, in, in terms of you know lack of deep shots, that kind of thing. Um, well, it's also interesting that the Texans went right up against a mobile quarterback, and so they dealt with the design run type of thing. Maybe the most mobile quarterback. Yeah. So, like if, they're, if you're trying to build out a QB run game, uh, the Ravens are the, te- are the model to, to go after and do that. So, um, And that's, of course, for the Colts. That's sort of the battle that they're facing right now is how do they build a run game with everything that's happening in their backfield? How do they manage Anthony Richardson so he can flash that upside but not maybe – take every single hit you know last week was an interesting balance of 10 carries for 40 yards for him he had the touchdown it did feel to me like he could have <laughs> they could have used him running a little bit more just because nobody else could do anything but again like that's that's right I you know I risk sounding like a hypocrite because at the same time if you you know you don't want to get to a point where he's carrying it 20 times every game and then all of a sudden something happens in this physical game that you know that that's certainly not worth it so I don't know that's until the Colts sign another running back, though, I mean, maybe if we see Zach Moss out here today at practice, maybe if, if it just seems like he's fully back, that'll change a little bit. But uh, that's a huge, huge challenge I think the Colts have right now is how do they build out this run game around the mobile quarterback in a way that anybody respects the running backs he's playing with. The lack of a, of a move at running back, um, as we sit here on Wednesday at least, you know, what they did was they – and it doesn't seem like there's going to be one because they placed Ivan Hall on an injured reserve. They promoted Jake Funk to the active roster. Um, you, I don't think you would promote Funk if there was another running back coming in. Um, although you can probably – I mean, if you had to, you could probably cut him and expose him to waivers and he'd be back on the practice squad fine. But normally you want to have those signings in by today because mm-hmm. um, this is the first day of, like, full practice, full preparation for the game. So it doesn't seem like any running, any other running back is coming. I, I'm – Maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but I'm taking that to mean Zach Moss is probably healthy, uh, especially just considering what they got from Deion Jackson or, or accurately didn't get from Deion Jackson last week. Um, yeah. Granted, I do think that there were there were a lack of holes, and the Colts have tried to steer away. And actually, we might st- stay on this for a little bit. Um, they tried to st- you know steer some of the blame away from Jackson by saying, like, both Shane Steichen and Jim Bob Cooter said that they felt like they got outcoached a little bit in the run game last week. Um which is interesting a little bit because Bernard Ryman told me after the game, like without me asking about like scheme or anything like that, that he felt like they kind of knew about the run blitzes that the Jaguars were going to use and everything. Um, and they just needed to do a better job cleaning it up. I, I, I think, I think this is the interlude that I was trying to get to is my, my belief and my, my inkling is that what we're going to get from Shane Steichen, um, He's going to blame himself for everything, uh, regardless of whether or not it's actually his fault. I, th- I think that, that you know, the, the, the mantra we've heard after this game, like, I need to do better, I have to be better, I'm in charge, I have to do better, I, I think that that's probably going to be his style. Um, he did it in the preseason, too. Uh, after the game they lost in Buffalo, in fact, I, I remember thinking, like, in that press conference, like, it's a weird tone to take. Um, on a game that not everyone knows doesn't really matter. Um, but I, I think that's going to be his default position. I, I don't know if – I'd be curious. I, 
I don't know if fans like that or not. I, I I know it was a frequent criticism of 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 Frank or uh, Reich was that he was always taking blame, always taking blame, always taking blame, and people didn't like that. But I think it's kind of coaching 101. Like it's very rare to have a coach be like, I'm going to call out all my players in the press conference. <laughs> um, there's a few that do it. There's a few that do it with varying levels of success. Um, but for the most part, like what coaches are going to do is they're going to try to deflect and stuff like that. And, and Steichen, I think, in maybe goes a little bit further than that in, like, I, I think if you go back and just watch Deion Jackson's game, watch the running back, Colts running backs, there were yards there that they didn't get. Um, mm. And Steichen was like, nah, it's my fault. Like, I, I've got to scheme it up better. I don't know if I totally agree with him that, like, everything was a scheme thing. I do think that there were some definite some schematic issues with the game plan, and and I don't want to go against, uh, uh, you know, Cooter and, and Steichen saying that they felt like they, they could have done a better job in that area. But th- there were also – like, it's also fair to say that there were there were yards out there. Oh, yeah. You know, it is, it is sort of a coach's thing to kind of look for – always believe that, like, you have the ability to fix it and – so much of how we've gotten to this point has been this belief that like the scheme is very central to what's going to make this happen it's frankly kind of why they wanted to see just organizationally why they wanted to see jonathan taylor out here in the scheme see what his value was relative within that world to the other players they have uh it's why they talk so much about running back by committee that kind of tells you it's to them it's should be less about the player and more about the scheme and so I will say is it, if you're going to be like that it is it is helpful to own it you know take some of the heat when it doesn't work rather than just say hey it's all about the scheme and then it didn't work so it must be your fault I've covered a coach who did that all the time as a as a first year head coach he'll remain nameless for now but he uh it did not help the culture of that team build in Detroit at all so I think like that's just central to how Shane's got to do this to a degree is if they're if they're going to really preach you know roll out a new scheme new blocking blocking scheme and and hammer that home they've got to like be willing to to make their own corrections on it but yeah they're absolutely were you know all that said and it, when you run for when, when it's 13 carries for 14 yards it usually is multiple problems and there were moments that i saw on the film where just just something was yeah they didn't pick up a run blitz or to say it had moments where there were like tight ends who didn't block anybody almost like I don't know if they did they, they weren't quite sure what to do in those moments because it's so early uh, they do have injuries that's not helping guys who have not practiced less uh, but there were certainly moments I mean two fumbles from Deion Jackson too that's always going to be on the ball carrier so he didn't perform you know anywhere near what they need either and frankly nobody in the backfield did and that's that is where like I think getting Zach Moss back We'll raise the floor a lot. We've talked about how Zach Moss is not an explosive player, ran like a 4.6540, but he is a guy who has a lot more experience than Deion Jackson and uh, and Jake Funk and, and guys like that. And also, just like we saw him last year, he averaged 4.8 yards a carry with the Colts and a, a little bit more than that in, in very short amount of time with the Bills. Like he, he could execute the things that they're – asking run with contact or, or finish through contact and bring a little bit more but yeah they're gonna have to really fix the blocking in the scheme to have that still work in a high you know highly effective way because he doesn't have that explosiveness so I'm still wondering how they get that part of it back because 
right now, certainly off week one, if you're a defense, you're like, I want Anthony Richardson handing the ball off every time that there's that option, hand the ball off, because that's the one guy whose like, actual physical abilities scare you. So how can they get teams out of that? That's where they have to somehow somehow be consistent enough with, with Zach Moss doing that that they can occasionally force that decision. There's an element of getting Moss back. I feel like that, um, you know, sometimes uh, – it's it, this is this is kind of a baseball analogy because they talk about it at the trade deadline like you look at your roster and you go where are we underneath you know league average by a lot and sometimes like sometimes at the trade deadline you don't have to get a star you just have to get like a league average player and it's a big improvement because of how bad you've been yep. like i don't necessarily think that Zach Moss suddenly fixes this offense but going from what they had last week to even a league average production from the, from the running back in terms of, you know, just getting more yards than, than what's blocked or in some cases I think maybe less yards than what was blocked. Um, you know, I, I think it could it could help considerably. I mean, this, this is an offense that had 11 drives that were four plays or fewer um, and 10 that were four plays or fewer and also – nine yards or fewer which is that's just just it's just really it, when you look at it that way it's it was really a worse offensive day i think than than it felt like um but but i wonder if you know like there's there's some third and shorts stuff like that where i felt like a different running back like maybe they don't pick up a ton but they get the first and that keeps the drive going and it's it's just a little bit of a different offensive game and then like like with honestly with the colts running game like they we need to get back to we need to see them be you know, like I said, like more closer to league average before I could even start thinking about what it might look like with Jonathan Taylor because it, it was so bad last week. Um, and and granted, like I think ultimately, you know, we can talk about the explosives in the past game and the lack of the lack of those. And I think ultimately you want those more. But for a team that, you know, I think we were expecting more from the run game given Richardson's abilities, um, what we thought he was going to open up the lighter boxes that they, they thought they were going to get. Uh, it was a little, a little bit jarring. I mean, I know, I know it's Deion Jackson and, and, uh, and Evan Hall and it's not, it's not guys who are established, but, but 16 carries for 25 yards from the running backs is, is pretty jarring. Oh, it's amazing to think about, you know, just, <laughs> just to run that many times and, and not have any, like it was just, it was surprising if they had a three yard run and, yeah, like we said, it's, it's all things. All things kind of contributed to it, but I do, I do think, yeah, I don't. It, it's hard to picture what the upside of Taylor is. I do think that having a guy like that out there, even Zach Moss, but it, but just a really experienced and confident runner and a guy who could occasionally make somebody miss, like Taylor, would matter. And and I've seen fans push back on this, where they've brought up like, why are we talking so much about the running backs when? You know the offensive line didn't block anybody. Who, where are they supposed to run? And I absolutely, I'm not, I'm not absolving that group of this. But Jonathan Taylor played with the same offensive line struggles in the first half last season, and he averaged four and a half yards a carry. Yeah, that's I, I think that's something that gets missed. I think that's something that gets missed in terms of the discussion around how Taylor played last season versus like how Moss played last season. It was a very different offensive line that Jonathan Taylor played with when he was healthy. Um, than the one that Moss was playing with down the stretch. It was also very different. They were also very different defenses. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and and four and a half yards of carry is you know is honestly given what was going on was was pretty impressive and i think if at the time i mean i don't i'd have to go back and match up exactly where it was but i remember writing about how taylor when he was at like four and a half that was a step back obviously from 2021 and it made us think like what's what's quite happening but at the same time like that first half last season the other running backs on the roster averaged less than three yards a carry it was naheem hines Deion jackson there's probably somebody else i'm forgetting who ran the ball a little bit but that like they couldn't it was like a lot of it was like what we saw on sunday where they couldn't get anything from a back not named taylor and it's been outside of Zach Moss in that stretch late last season where it was a mix of things. It was – I mean, Zach Moss, I do think – I think he's he's a solid enough runner, so I'm not taking away from him. But it was an offensive line that at that point had been playing the same five for like the entire time. It was – you know, Jeff Saturday I think helped a little bit with some of that. And then it was facing some of the worst run defenses in the league. And it was some games where – frankly the Colts were down three touchdowns and teams were like go ahead run for five yards Um, but that was not the game we saw on Sunday these games where they like have a chance to win you know teams are not going to necessarily play that way and the issue is like you brought up not converting the third and short obviously that's a problem the other problem I see is when they when it's this inefficient to where if you run two times and you're in third Third and long or like, second long too. That is just not the spot to be putting Anthony Richardson in. It's it's not it's a it, it it makes it so the defense doesn't have to care about play action. They don't have to care about a designed run for him. You know, they have to care about him scrambling, but they just are able to set this up very, you know, very conservatively where they can sort of keep contain and play two high safeties and we saw that and he would just check it down, which is like it's good growth to see a quarterback not force it, but there were moments where, like, when he was checking down to Deion Jackson, you know, eight yards short of the sticks, like, it, it didn't give them a chance to convert at all. And to, to just get this to even third and five, something where you can run shorter depths of target, where you could you could run some quick game that has a chance to get the first, where, where even maybe a check down has some chance to convert, that would put Anthony Rich in a much better spot. And then, you know, I mean, I'd see some people ask, too, why, like, why they use tempo in the final drive and pretty much ignore it up till then. Well, the thing about tempo, and, and Jim Bob Cooters explained this when I covered it in Detroit, we would ask all the time because Matthew Stafford was a wizard in tempo and they wouldn't run it that much. And his explanation was the only way you're going to be able to use tempo a lot outside of in an end-of-half situation and not burn your defense is if you are consistently getting first downs and long play drives. Like the the speed with which – uh, like it snowballed on their defense on Sunday because they had so many drives of four plays or less. But you do that, you know, even a couple times in the drive last 16 seconds and the defense is back out there, that's that's where that snowball effect happens even quicker. Right, so then it's even worse. They've got yeah. to stay on the field, which is – so like even getting this run game, like if we get to a point where the running backs are averaging three and a half yards a carry, like that would be – even that would be a big, big step up from what we saw on Sunday. Um from a passing game standpoint, like, I don't know. I kind of, like, I understand when a team plays back and, and you take you call shot plays and maybe they're not there. Um, but also that's kind of what the NFL is now defensively for most for the most part is, is defenses playing back and trying to limit the explosive play. You have to be able to get them anyway. I know Shane Steichen knows that. I know I know the Colts offensive staff knows that. I think obviously they were probably 
their game plan was probably built in a certain way to bring Richardson along. I would still like to see some of the explosiveness and, and, and taking some, some more shots down the field. Like, wh- whatever that takes, if that's... Or, or even if it's not even if it's not the the deep ball down the field to Alec Pierce. Like, you know, the 20-yard the throw to Drew Ogletree underneath those safeties. Like, maybe a little more of that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not bringing along a young quarterback. So, I don't know. Like, and I, I don't think I have a really, like... I don't think anyone really from a, a media or fan standpoint has, has a good enough understanding of the playbook to like really say exactly like how much of it you should use. You would just like to see more air yards. Um, even, even if it's just like three or four more, three or four more throws that, that are, are a lot of air yards uh, or that are, that are more air yards. It's just, I don't know. I, I was, I was, uh, and maybe I shouldn't have been. Maybe I shouldn't have been underwhelmed. Um, but I was a little underwhelmed by um, what what we saw from an offense that essentially, like, the one thing I thought I knew about them was that they were going to try to go for explosives. So maybe I shouldn't Maybe I shouldn't be underwhelmed. Maybe that's coming. Maybe they feel like they have to have a foundation for Richardson first. I've kind of thought all along that it was likely that this season was going to probably start slow offensively and they'd figure themselves out later. Um, but still. Like you kind of get, I, I let's just put it this way: if you're a fan and you get jazzed up about the idea of what Steichen can do with Richardson, and then they go out there and they look like that, I get it. Like I kind of felt the same way. Yeah, it's. I mean, especially because a big argument we've made for Jonathan Taylor is that's that's your explosiveness, and so if you're going to play without him, there just has to be some other attempt there to create that. You're just you're just not getting it out of the backfield. I don't know if they thought maybe they would. Uh, but I just don't know how you could feel that way at this point. So obviously it's harder than it's harder than it looks and sounds. But yeah, they're they're not the only team that's going to be up against that. And there's there's going to be a boomer bust nature to this whole offense because it's a rookie quarterback and because there's not chemistry. But they it just has to be more boom, more chances at the boom. Uh, I just I at some points like. You know, in moments where it was like third and, you know, third and six plus, you know, those are even some moments where I'm okay with taking a shot down the field because if it gets intercepted, it's like a punt. And I don't know, it's weird because when Jim Bob Cooter was in Detroit, they did that all the time. And like that's some of why I would say Matthew Stafford's interception numbers are higher than, like sometimes it would just be calculated third down shots that were like a the equivalent of a punt and just. Maybe that's something they have to train Anthony on is, hey, when it's third and ten, maybe, you know, maybe you can be a little bit more risky uh, on certain plays. You know, not always go for the check down because at some point you're just giving up on, on the check down. I don't I don't know. That's, they have to work through that too. But there, there has to be something more dialed up. And I think one of the factors too is that when teams play too high of safety, you know, they always talk about like that's where the middle of the field is open uh, with where the safeties are. And so – not having Jelani Woods and having Drew Ogletree go down, I'm sure, impacted that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's got to be another attempt to it. There's got to be there's got to be deep digs to Michael Pittman. There's got to be in Alec Pierce, like just the the lack of targets to Alec Pierce is just just frankly alarming for the amount that he played in that game. 
And again, like I know his best route, the run he loves is like the, you know, just flying down the field on nine routes. But that's not the only route he can run. He can do the back shoulder. We saw him do other stuff in like we saw we saw him do other stuff in training camp too. That's the other piece yeah. of this is like, we've seen it. It, it kind of felt this way last year with with it, with him early. Um, but yeah, I, you just like to see maybe uh like just live with the consequences a little bit more. If that's fair, yeah. Like, if if there's if you're worried about the negative outcomes that can come from throwing deep, maybe just I don't know, I don't know. This the it's it's tough trying to figure out like exactly what the, like Steichen obviously has a track record of develop, developing young quarterbacks. Like, you want to lean on that. It's only been one game, um, but like I said, you you just I guess I guess I sort of expected one thing and got something else. Yeah. I think that's completely fair. I mean, I, and, and in some ways, this there's a part of that surprise that I'll give them credit for is that I do think they built a game plan for Anthony Richardson early that got him comfortable, that got him efficient in a way that we haven't seen that version of him a lot. You know, it's only been 13 games at Florida, but everyone talks so much about the, you know, 53% accuracy. You know, he was 24 of 37, and there were, it worked for a couple drives. I think that's why we – at the time thought the offense was doing a little better is that when it was clicking for pretty much a drive early in each half, you know, it worked really well. It's just like they, they just aren't built to win that way enough. If that's going to have to be the run game and those guys are going to have to also break tackles and make that the explosive pass game not going down the field, that's asking a lot out of players that frankly don't have that track record. Now, Michael Pittman Jr. did a great job. With that, he was the one who did. He catches for 97 yards and had the screen touchdown. But that's really the only guy that did any of that in that game. So just I do think you have to live with some some consequences and trust that, like, you know, you're – trust that you're going to be able to talk through with Anthony about whether or not, you know, an interception or maybe just a bad throw down the field was, was his fault or how much of it was his fault. Like, I – it felt – I understood why they started conservative – but not getting out of that once the script was over was the part that, that kind of surprised me. Um, interesting. It'll be interesting watching the the, the Stroud Texans. Um, like I said, I didn't see the game. I don't know exactly what to expect there. Uh, I, I'm just curious. Gus Bradley said he felt like he had he felt like he had pretty good presence in the pocket the other day. Um, I'm, it's just going to be interesting. It's it's for me like. As much as we we have to cover these games and you know write about the outcomes and and get into the stuff we're getting into now about like there's the developmental piece here and like we don't we don't really have a enough of either Richardson or Stroud to have a, a good handle on who they're going to be this season. It, this is going to be really interesting, I think, though, because like we're we're all getting to see Texans Colts in week two. Barring injury, we'll see them at the end of the season. You know, and by the time we get there, the offenses for both teams, the quarterbacks for both teams could look very different. They could look the same, you know. And so I think this is like a, an interesting little checkpoint. Um, you know, the first game, it's the season opener. I, I think I think you have to remind yourself, too. Um, I know this goes a little bit against some of the, the breaking down we've done already, but you have to remind yourself, too, that, like, season openers are often weird. Um, mm-hmm. Often looked strange, um, but this one's gonna. Be, this one I think is interesting because not only is it the second week, but there's the, it's gonna give us a, a marker that we can come back to later 
Uh, all those division games, to me, and the, ja the Jaguars kind of fits that too. But like, it's going to be interesting as as they get to see them. The Jaguars, though, they play the Jaguars again, like in like five weeks. And and they played at a place that they. And I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not really expecting the offense to like figure itself out by the week six, or so, or like, in Jacksonville. It's not the same. It's not the same marker as I feel like the Tennessee games or the Houston games. That makes sense, because it's yeah. it's come the two the two Jacksonville games come too early. Yeah, for sure. We're gonna see how the offenses build out within the scheme. You know, like two very different schemes will be kind of interesting to match that up. You know, C.J. Stroud's. Obviously, Anthony Richardson's in more of the Eagles sort of RPO, uh, quarterback run-heavy approach, and uh, you know, and C.J. Stroud's in more of the you know the Kyle Shanahan wide zone run scheme play action uh, type of offense, and uh, yeah, we'll see how they build that out and how like it's just gonna. I hope we get to evaluate that late in the year. That's when you know you have no idea what kind of players will be out there, so. Maybe this this will be a nice early test where it's, you know, they, again, huge huge caveat with Jonathan Taylor, but they mostly have the guys that they'll be working with, at least the guys they'll be throwing to uh, should be out there this, this game. So um, it, it'll be interesting. to. It's just a very different challenge for the Colts than last week, not just the quality of the opponent, but the kind of where they're at. Last week was Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley just being too much uh, this week, it's you know, C.J. Stroud's a rookie, and you know his most reliable targets Dalton Schultz, you know the tight end they signed from the Cowboys, but you know very young receivers that they're trying to develop too, going up against really young Colts cornerbacks. Uh, but that's it's just going to be what's unfair, but it's also reality is that the two quarterbacks are just going to be constantly compared, and you know we're going to try and talk through the context of what they had to work with, what they were up against, all that stuff's different, but that's going to just be kind of a constant thing because the Texans chose to take C.J. Stroud over Anthony Richardson. The Colts chose to sit at number four, and they loved Anthony, but, you know, they, they were a team that could have made a move up for a different quarterback, and uh, and that's just kind of how this goes. It's, it's going to be a ongoing storyline for those guys. Also, you know, a little bit with, with Will Levis in Tennessee if he becomes a starter, but it's like we're all this, all this stuff's going to become sort of a referendum on – the decisions franchises have made, and this is just sort of the first super early chapter in that. Uh, one one last thought. We're about to go back in here, so one last thought for me. Um, just good a good uh, lesson that I kind of already knew, but sometimes you forget. Don't always take what the broadcast says about the, what the Colts are doing as gospel. The broadcast was saying on Sunday that Kenny Moore had been switched on to Calvin Ridley because they saw him outside and in the slot. That's just what. That's just his position. <laughs> he plays outside and base defense and slot in the in the nickel. Um, and so, what they thought was was them being moved on was not was not that. So that's just a caution. Like just because the broadcast says it doesn't mean it's gospel. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a good uh, good plug for indiestar.com. <laughs> we'll ask the questions. We'll try and get more specific answers. And uh, broadcasters, I mean, they're bouncing different games all the time, but. Uh, but I think if you follow our coverage, um, you know, hopefully we'll we'll be able to work through some of that and give a better sense of who's who's doing what and uh, and. Uh, I thought I missed it. Like the, I asked Kenny about it on Monday because I'd seen it while I was just looking through stuff on Monday, and I thought I had somehow missed that he'd been switched on to him. So then I asked the question, 
and Kenny was very like very unhappy that it was even asked. So like egg on my face, um, which like that's the last time I ask a question about something that happened on the broadcast. So <laughs> um, we're we're about to head into Shane Steichen's press conference. Colts Texans this week rookie quarterback versus rookie quarterback. Nate and I'll have plenty. Uh, for more from the Indy Star, for me and Nate, uh, just wait for the next Colts Cover 2 podcast. It'll come out after the, the game on Sunday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.